You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait, celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode two of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm an author, journalist and interviewer and I am here to have a good old chat to the wonderful Gina Militia. How are you Gina? I'm great Valerie, how are you going? I'm good, I'm good. So I'm very excited that this is episode two for uh-huh. of our podcast for, you know, photography enthusiasts and professionals. I'm, I represent the enthusiast, <laughs> you represent the professionals. Um, and if you're listening to our second episode, thanks for coming back. Uh, in this uh, podcast, what we hope to bring you is a lot of insight into the world of photography. Uh, Gina's going to share her tips and techniques on how to get a perfect shot or as close to the perfect shot as we can. And also an insight into the business side of photography because, you know, I think we think it's important that you fuel your creative passion for photography with some real opportunities to get paid and make money, which is certainly what Gina has done in her 25 career as one of Australia's top photographers. Now, I met Gina oh, 21 years ago uh-huh. on a on the on location and a television shoot, and we've worked many times together since. On it, myself is the journalist, and and Gina, so I do the words, and Gina does the pictures, and we've done lots of projects together. So, this is our, our current project, uh, this yes. podcast. So, what have you been up to today, Gina? Oh my God, I've just come back from Bikram yoga, your favorite style of yoga, Val. Oh, <laughs> your favorite God. exercise. That's, it's the <laughs> most horrendous thing ever invented. I don't know how you do it. I love it. Why? <laughs> it's just so good. No. For those of you who don't, who've never heard of Bikram yoga, it's done in about like 38 degree heat. Uh, and it's an hour and a half long class, and I love it. An hour and a half too long. <laughs> Last time I went to Bikram Yoga was with Gina a few months ago in Melbourne and um, I don't think I've recovered since. It's just gross. Oh, so Valerie comes into the class and I look over and I'm like, she's going for it. She's really into it. For the first 10 minutes, she's doing all keeping up. I'm saying, wow, she's impressive. <laughs> and then I turn around and Valerie's on her back <laughs> lying down and she did not get up again. She did not get up again for the rest of the class. And even the teacher stood and tr- over you and tried to intimidate you, didn't she? She did try to. Didn't I, work. No, wasn't going to budge. <laughs> I thought this is like my idea of hell, so at least I'll just lie down. <laughs> um, if, if you like, if you love uh, yoga, you've got to check out a YouTube video by the Bondi Hipsters. Uh, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a, um, a, a, a spoof on uh, yoga. We'll put it on the, um, on, on the show notes. It's really funny. You'll love it. The Bondi Hipsters are great. Oh, they're amazing. Um, so, well, apart from watching YouTube videos about yoga by the Bondi Hipsters, yep. uh, have you been up to anything else this week? I've been shooting and processing and uh, trying to get that whole life ba- balance, work-life balance happening. So, ah, yeah, and, <laughs> that work-life uh, balance. Yeah, yeah, that one. Do you know it? I don't. <laughs> how's, it, how's, it, how's it working for you, Val? Not really working yeah. for me. <laughs> but I have been um, browsing around the internet uh, this week and, you know, I haven't been watching YouTube videos on yoga, but I did come across this website called Feature Shoot. And uh, they did a post about a, um, a book that's being released by the Museum of Modern Art and it features photographs by a photographer called Nicholas Nixon. And um, what he's done is that he has photographed four sisters every year 
for 40 years. So he started when, yeah, they were, I think 1975, the the Brown sisters, and he's posed them in the same positions or the same lineup over the, the last 40 years. And it's just a fascinating series of shots to see how they've evolved, how they've changed, how that how, how some of them haven't changed very much, yep. and some of them have changed significantly. So it's a great it's a great um, uh, record really of their lives. Yeah. But I was wondering, you know, when I read that, have you ever done something like that where you have, you know, like remember the Seven Up documentary series yeah, yeah, by yeah. Michael Apted? Yeah, there was Seven Up and Fourteen yep. Up tracking this group of you know school children over the years and seeing where they ended up in life have you done anything like that whether it's with you know people or 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 whatever really where you've tracked something whether that's every day or every year or whatever that's that's such an amazing idea and um i i have to say uh no (laughs) (laughs) i have not that been that organized i have thought about it and uh i actually that reminds me uh i had a studio for 10 years that had an amazing view over the city of melbourne and uh Mm. the surrounding uh suburbs like it was almost a panoramic view of melbourne and out our back window of the studio we watched every day for about four years uh the balti bridge being built Mm. And there was, I think, four photographers. We, we were all working out of that studio. We watched it every day, magnificent sunsets, sunrises, this bridge being built, slowly coming together, amazing. And then four years in, I think one of us sort of said, hey, we probably should have uh, maybe photographed, documented that. It would have been <laughs> really good. And we, what an opportunity to have missed. And we all yeah. went, oh, yeah, we should have. We didn't. No. No. <laughs> No, it was when it was finished. We're like, wow, the light's really beautiful. And can you imagine how spectacular that would have been? Yeah, it'd be too late yeah. now. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I should have learned from you. I actually remember the Balti Bridge because I, you know, I remember going to that studio and watching the Balti Bridge from time to time. You know, whenever I visited the your studio being built, and at the time I was living in Glebe in Sydney, and the Glebe Island Bridge was also being built, and I thought ah. to myself. I really should do that. I really should do that. I really yeah. should do that so I don't regret it like Gina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you didn't either. No. And there's lots of people that do projects like that. Um, my hat goes off to those people and you, mm. you see them on YouTube, the ones that, that take a photo of themselves every day for like three years. Oh, have, I know. Have you seen those? It's just the, it's just the organisation, the remembering and the effort that I, I you'd ha- don't You'd have to have. be a Virgo or something, a certain star sign to do that. Yes. It's not me, definitely. You'd have to be so, – because they're, they're standing in exactly the same spot yeah. in every single – hat. like, no. Nah. No. I it's not it's not in me i even did i attempted for 30 days to do a online video for 30 days in this uh-huh. little project called vidtember mm-hmm. and uh you know that was in september of uh, 2014 and I haven't released an online video since because it was just a little bit all too much to attempt to do that every day for a month let alone for 40 years I know anyway That's... let's move on let's move on so uh, I wanted to talk about this episode something that um, you know I've often wondered about and it's it, it's that there's so much information these days and there's so many options that you can choose in terms of learning about photography. There's different courses, there's different websites, there's different blogs, there's different colleges, there's different everything. So what, what should people have in mind when they are choosing how they're going to learn about photography? Over to you. Yeah, well, I think that the first thing that we need to think about and, and talk about is the fact that there isn't one way to do anything or there isn't a right way to learn photography and a wrong way. There's just your way, the way that suits you. So mm-hmm. it's like, and like I know so many different photographers that have gone down, you know, one way, others have got, like there's so many different styles and they're all very successful. So it, it doesn't matter how you do it as long as it's the way that suits you best, mm-hmm. I think. So I think you also need to look at if you're either new to photography or um, a bit more advanced and, and to think about which, which way you want to go with your learning. And mm-hmm. so I think a good way, if you just want to dip your toe in the water and just have a look and 
see if it's for you, is have a look at the, the free stuff online first. Um, what kind of free stuff do well, you there's, Well, there's yeah, obviously uh, there's lots of podcasts online and uh, there's also uh, some amazing websites that are just publishing blogs every day. Um, so a couple of the ones. I, I, I'm writing for a, a website called the Digital Photography School. I, I blog for them um, every now and then. And uh, there's also uh, a podcast. Uh, yeah, what kind what? of podcasts? Well, I actually taught myself Lightroom via podcasts. So really? when it first came out and I had a look at it and I'm, I, it, I looked at it and I'm thinking, oh, how am I going to learn this? And I remember doing a course on Photoshop where I sat for a weekend and did a weekend course and it, my head nearly exploded during that <laughs> course because there was so much information crammed in a weekend and that doesn't suit my style of learning. So I wanted to try and find something that would just give me little bits of information when I was yeah. ready for them and when I was most alert. So this podcast, Lightroom Killer Tips, it's Scott Kelby uh, does it. It's like they're like little six-minute videos, which is perfect for me because, you know, I don't have a very long attention span. <laughs> and, and, and they're videos, video tutorials. So I would sit there and I might be, uh, you know, uh, waiting for, for an interview or, or, you know, just have five minutes to spare and I'd put it on and I'd have a look or I'd, I'd have actually have it out with me as I was doing, working on one of my own photos, watching them show me how to do it. And that, for me, mm. really suits my learning style because I'm a... I learn by doing. Yeah. I'm a very visual learner. And so I think you, you need to think about uh, what, how you learn as well when you're doing things. If you're visual or auditory, you know, think about that. Are there any other podcasts that you recommend? Uh, there's another good uh, Australian one called Photo Biz Exposed, and that's mostly about the business of photography, but that is a really good one to inspire young photographers just starting out because some really good uh, interviews with all sorts of photographers from around the world and, and uh, they're interviewed and they're told their stories and, and how they do different things and you come away learning an awful lot from that one. Uh, that, that's a ripper. Now, if you haven't heard of Digital Photography School, we encourage you to uh, check it out. It's um, a fantastic resource and it's a website that was founded by Darren Rouse. We'll put the links to all of those resources that Gina mentioned in the show notes. But Gina's also written four books with Digital Photography School. So if you're interested in checking them out, they range from, what are they about again, Gina? They're all about portrait photography. So there's a, a, a general portrait photography introductory one. There's one on lighting for portraits. There's one opposing one. And there's also one on post-production for portraits. So the easiest way to find them is to go to Gina's website, ginamilitia.com, and have a look in the section called Books. But also you can go straight to Digital Photography School and search for Gina and you'll find her books there as well. They're worth looking at because, and I'm not just saying that because <laughs> my little dog Rambo is featured in one of them because so she featured. photographed him. Yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is he nude or did I leave his collar on? Oh, he had a little stole. Oh, he has his, you know, he's got uh, he actually cross dressed in it, didn't he? He did. He cross dressed in one yeah. of them. He's wearing a pink fur coat thing, but in yeah. another one, he does look very butch and tough because yeah. he's wearing a security. He is, you know, um, pretending to be a security bouncer. And you lobbied for having him on the cover, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I oh. didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, okay, so what else? Like, yeah, I agree that there are a lot, there's a lot more free stuff out these days than there lots ever Lots of great websites, be. lots of, just, so check them out and a really good way to, to learn and learn, you know, get lots of uh, good resources there from all sorts of different photographers as well. Um, the other way, another way to, to learn is to try out workshops. Uh, so there's lots of different workshops out there and a few things you probably uh, need to think about before you go down the workshop uh, option is uh, have a look at... Um, because you're going to get all different sorts of styles of workshops. So, and quality, I imagine. Uh, yes. So, like, there's people out there who have maybe been um, a photographer for five minutes mm. and they're running workshops. And uh, and then there's people that have been photographers for 40 years that are running workshops. So, you know, I mean, back in the day, uh, like, when you were doing your workshops, Val, how mm. could you research? Like, could you find out what who a photographer was or see their work or... 
do any no, research yeah, on so them at all? When I first started doing photography workshops, I guess maybe 20 years ago now, I can't believe I can actually say that. And, you know, I've done several since, but that's when I was, you know, really got into it. Yeah. And I have to say, no, it was really hard to find out some background to the photographer unless it was listed in the brochure, of course, in their bio, because back then you couldn't view their portfolio very easily. They didn't have websites. You didn't yep. actually, you couldn't actually see the kind of style of photography they had. So you had to, there was a lot of trust there. You had to hope that they were quite experienced. You had to hope yep. that they had a style that you liked or, or you know, that, that looked like it had a lot of experience behind it. Whereas these days, you you know, there's this fantastic thing called Google and you can, yeah. you can search for photographers, you can search for their images, you can, they're, they're displayed on their websites and it's great. So you can do that background research on the, the, the workshop presenter yeah. much better than you could ever do before. Yeah, so, and it, it's, not just, it's not just the work that you see as well. Go by uh, testimonials as well yeah. on the site because just because someone's an amazing photographer doesn't necessarily make them a great teacher. So sometimes oh, yeah. maybe if you're just starting out, you might be better off uh, learning with someone who's also a, who's a great teacher. So, so look into that as well. The other thing I would also check out is uh, how many people are in the class. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, because say you're doing, it, it also depends on the type of course that you're doing. If you're learning how to use a new software, like I said before that I did a, a weekend course on Photoshop, and, and in that course there was 30 of us. Mm. at the time and that suited that style of learning too because it was a classroom the teacher was at the front there was just slide displays and he talked and we sat and took notes mm. my head nearly exploded in the process but that was <laughs> it really suited uh learning that sort of style and i got to feed off the like the other photographer i was really uh, i had a bit of like i was nervous there because they all knew so much more than i did at the time <laughs> and so the other the other photographers ask questions that you want to ask if you're a bit shy, mm. you know. So that's a good way to learn. If you're trying to learn a new skill like lighting or posing or working with models, that's that's too big a class. Uh, so if you've got a model and you all get to have a turn photographing that model, then you probably want to work with a class that's maybe about eight to ten. Mm. I think I think eight's a really good number, and that way everyone gets to have a turn at working with the model, and everyone gets to have a decent one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one time with the the teacher. Mm. And I think that's really important. Um, the other thing that you should consider is. Is, is what style of photography are you going off to learn? There's no point going to study with a, a, a teacher who specialises in architectural photography if mm. you want to do food photography. You don't yeah. want to get anything out of it. So really research the style or, or heading off on a, a destination shoot when that's not what you want to do. So really research uh, what it is you're going to get out of it and maybe start with one of the smaller courses because you can do anything from two hours to the seven-day courses, which would be pretty intense. Um, but, yeah, really research where, where you're going to go. Yeah, I think that um, people either research a lot because they're just that way inclined mm. or they just go, oh, photography course and then enroll. Yeah, Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm one of those people. I enrolled in one that, I, you know, my interest at the time was portrait photography, probably, you know, influenced by you. And it, we ended up traipsing around the cliffs of, you know, somewhere do, trying to shoot nature shots and it just oh. so, so wasn't what I was interested in. Yeah, landscape. So there's some great <laughs> landscape workshops, but mm. if you're not into landscape photography, Photography. I mean, it's a really quick way to find out. It's also a bit of an expensive way to find <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, it was. Now, um, yeah. on the workshops, though, you know, it, it was um, back when I was doing those workshops, I learnt the darkroom. How important, everything's digital these days. Yeah. So how important, if you're serious about photography, yep. is it to learn the darkroom, do you think? Well, I know now that, it, like, if you're doing a university or, or a college course in photography, the first thing, the first semester, they're, they're, they're teaching all the students darkroom skills mm -hmm. still. And if you think about it, the origins of digital photography has have come out of the darkroom. And and everything I do today to, to expose my shots is based on what I learned in the darkroom. So I, I think I think it's a really handy skill to have, and 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 it really helps with your understanding of photography. So if you get the opportunity to learn darkroom, I I, I would do it. I I I think it'd be a great thing to do. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it, but I don't use it at all now. 
I must Once. admit, I, 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 I thought it was really fun just watching these images appear right in front yep. of my eyes. But I will have to say that I don't use those skills at all. Right. <laughs> now, you know, I guess it may be taught me elements of, uh, you know, exposure and sharpness and all that kind of thing. But those sorts of things you can learn without necessarily having done a darkroom course. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, but so, still, still fun to do. Yeah, it was fun. Mm. What else? So there are free resources. There are workshops. Yes. Yeah, what else can people do? Well, so as well you can do... If you've got the time and if your lifestyle allows it, you can do a university or a college course. And, uh, you know, the, yeah. the advantages of doing something like that is it's like structured learning. Uh, you, you'll get a degree or a diploma at the end of it. You get, a, you get to use all the latest camera, lighting equipment. You'll have mentors and teachers who have, have worked in the industry and are experienced in those. They've come from, like, advertising and all those areas. And... The, the being able to work with uh, other students. Some people like working in groups and, and enjoy that sort of style of learning. Uh, the downside, expense. Yeah, and, and commitment. Off, it, it's a big commitment in time. If you're looking at a full-time three or four years, part-time eight, I don't know, six. Uh, and also often these uh, places are located in a city. So if you're not living in a major city, then that means the, there's the extra cost travel cost or having to relocate uh, to do that. So, I mean, it's there. It's another, it's another way. It's, it's worth considering. My take on that, because, you know, I do work with a lot of photographers. I commission a lot of, you know, experienced photographers in the work that I do. And um, I think that a uni or college course is the sort of thing that's fantastic if you do have the time and money to invest in it. Uh, it's the sort of thing that is definitely useful for people who, need the structured learning in yes. order to learn. Yep. But if you have the motivation and drive to learn it yourself, yep. you can still achieve and learn the same things, but you need to push yourself and, and you know, find out how to, to learn various things. You, you can still complete all the various components that a uni or college degree can give you, yep. but you just need to actually structure it yourself. So yep. it's and, – and, and interestingly, the – out of the many photographers that I work with, I would prob probably say that the majority don't actually have the university qualification. They've learnt, you know, on the job. They've learnt, they've certainly learnt through some short courses and those sorts of things, but they've learnt a lot through yep. assisting, you know. Do you, now, just remind me, do you actually have the uni degree? I have a degree, but I have a teaching degree. So I majored in photography in my final year and we were taught darkroom skills and I think we got about an hour of studio. So it's not it's not a four-year intensive. So no, I don't have a photography degree. So you went, I'm self-taught. And you went into that, which is the majority of successful photographers, not all, but the majority of successful photographers I work with in commission it, it probably a similar situation to you because mm. you then went straight into assisting, didn't I, I you? I did, I did. And so th this is um, another great way to learn. Uh, like I think this is probably uh, my t uh, one of the ideal ways to, to supplement, say, doing something like workshops or courses mm. is to do something like assisting or intern or, men or find a mentor, you mm. know, or an apprentice. So I actually, yes, um, did uh, about I think eighteen months of assisting in the end, and I think it's something that continue. It's overlooked that sort of uh, you know apprenticeship that that people do. It's, it doesn't seem to happen anymore. But uh, or, or the I think people um, sort of overlook the uh, the unpaid internship, and I think it's really worth considering, even if you can do like a day or two of work experience, with, which you can get with photographers. Mm. It's it's worth having having um, a try to try and get some of that experience because you'll learn a lot from doing that. Now I know that some people who are listening who are, who equate work experience with what you do. You know, at school, in year ten, or, or, or university, they and but they might be already forty years old and yep. and you know quite quite far ahead in their life and career and wouldn't even contemplate assisting. What do you say to that? That they can they can do it at that age. You can do um, yeah. uh, work experience. You can get a day's work experience or an afternoon at least, just to have a look at how the business works. And um, how, how old you are know, your assistants? 
I've got mine range at the moment from uh, my youngest is uh, 21 and my oldest uh, is in his 40s and I've had his oldest 50 in their 50s assisting mm. me as well and they all bring different skills to the table so you know that that's I'll probably you know happily work with someone who's in their 70s because then they bring different skills again so yes. I think there's a misconception there's a there's a misconception in that that people equate assisting with only what young people do but in no. fact you know, there are there are definitely mature age assistants, and they are often people who are discovering that they love photography yeah, later just, in it's life. A, it's a it's a, like a sea change, yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll decide that, and they've and and you know that's so good because they they come with all these other skills, like they've they've had a fifteen year career in IT, or um, you know they might have a trade, and so you've got someone who's got a trade under their belt, and then suddenly they're doing photography. Great. Can you build me a wall? <laughs> Just here. And so, but but then they've been out in the real world, and I think that's another great skill that you bring into photography. It's really good. Okay, so let's just say the fifty-year-old assistant that you had. I'm not sure who that is or what his background was, but how would somebody like that find you or find somebody that they want to assist and 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 get the gig? Hey. This is a really cool story. I did a, a talk for a, a photography association um, a few years back and I actually gave some tips on how to uh, cold call uh, and um, get assisting gigs. <laughs> he, oh, was obviously, right. he was obviously listening to yeah. what I said and he followed it to a T and he actually sent me an email because I said, but like, you, you need to find a photographer yeah. that you respect and perhaps want to work with, obviously, and, and in an area that you want to learn. It's pointless looking at, I did this, I interned with a food photographer. Mm-hmm. I have never been so bored in my <laughs> life. I, I couldn't. And he was just standing there for the whole time I was there. He's like, look at that highlight on that capsicum. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like I just wanted to I just I, I daydreamed about running I'll just I'll just say I'm going out to my car and I'm yeah. never coming back but I had to stay and he was so into it yeah. like you know God love him he was into his work but it what like I'm not a food photographer I and don't the problem is it. you don't even get to eat the food <laughs> you don't even get to eat the food because they put all they spray it with stuff yeah. and anyway and it was one shot one day yeah. And, and the only action that would happen with the capsicum would move a centimetre <laughs> to the left and then everyone would go, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> you moved it a centimetre to the left. It's a great skill, though, food <laughs> photography. I have a lot of respect for product and food photographers. I just can't do it myself. Okay, I'm going to rein you back into the original question. How did the 50-year-old assistant then get the gig with you? He sent, he sent you an email or something you he, started talking about? Yeah, so, so I, I suggest that you find a photographer in the field that you want to work with, right? Yeah. Identify a few and then make contact with them. And I recommend that you call first. And right. try and try and speak to them. If they're not there, don't bother leaving a message because it's not likely that they'll ring you back or leave a message like, "Hey, my name's you know Valerie. Uh, I really love your work, and it'd be you know I'd love the opportunity to uh, be your assistant. Uh, I'll give you another call when you know next time. And you just maybe keep calling, maybe send them an email. Mm. And so I'm, I sort of recommended that that you know you should email regularly because you're not always going to get a reply straight away because people are busy. You know, but it's like people remember, they'll, they'll see the same name coming up and maybe there's other things like you, now we've got social media so you can try and contact, pe- contact photographers through their social media and it's not stalking. Mm. There's a fine line between sort of stalking and then just sort of, you know, making yourself known. Mm. So you could start by finding the photographers that you really like and maybe value adding to, to them, like retweeting their stuff, yeah. share, sharing stuff that they've done. And maybe if you notice that, say, a photographer's put out a tweet saying, hey, I'm really stuck, I need a location, da-da-da, and you happen to know, you could send them a tweet going, hey, I know a really good location, or you might see a link to something that you, that you think they might find interesting, send it to them. 
Now, Stuff like that. I think you've really hit the nail on the head there because the absolutely most important thing if, is if you are going to contact a photographer through social media, and I have this experience with writers and authors, is uh, because I'm a writer and author, and you know I, I give advice on on that side of the fence. But um, the, don't let your very first contact with them be, "Hey, can I be your assistant?" Yeah. Make sure, as you've said, you've built some kind of relationship, relationship. even if it's just retweeting their stuff or rep- responding to them or, you know, having some kind of casual conversation that's got nothing to do with you wanting to be an assistant with them in, so that you get on their radar so that when you do ask, at least they recognise your name and you're not a stranger completely out of the blue. Yeah, and, and well... I'm also getting like emails where they're, they're, they're saying, hey, I'm, I'm available for assisting and, and like I don't mind that so much and it's like they're just making themselves known. Sure, I don't mind that. I think that's okay because that's via email but if you're asking for an assistant job in a 140-character tweet... Oh, no, you wouldn't do it on a tweet ever, yeah. no. But if you're emailing someone then it's perfectly fine to say, sure. you know, that you're asking for an assisting gig. However, um, don't... There's a few, and this is what I said to to my my assistant, and and this is what he followed. Don't don't just do what most assistants actually think is the right thing to do, and they will send you an email going, "Hi, this is my name. I really like your work. I'd love to assist you. Here's my website." Mm, and, yes, and, and, and that's and that's it. And you know, as a as a as a young photographer coming up, you think your website is everything, and it is. It really is. But it's like it, that's not what's going to get you noticed by a photographer, because yeah. like, and and I explained that I personally want to know what it is that you can do for me as an assistant. So. Yeah. A correct way to to apply for an assisting gig is to say, you know, hi, my name's, you know, so Valerie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love your work, and uh, and then maybe mention a shot. Don't make it look like a form letter where my name's not even in the thing, and you've emailed five hundred other photographers. <laughs> you know, because that that's also not 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 that cool Mm. so so make at least make it personal and use my name in the title and uh, you know i really like this shot and this shot and that shows that you've gone and done a little bit of research Mm. and and then say i'm i've just graduated from or i've just done this course or i'm trying i'm learning this style of photography and and this is what i can offer you as an assistant i know how to use this kind of camera i'm capable with this sort of lighting i also know how how to use this sort of software and I, I'm really good with lighting and and I also uh, know how to make a great coffee. Bonus but what if you're not good that. at those things? What if you're not good at this software? What so if you're not if you, good at that lighting? If you, if you don't know how to do any of those, yeah. just, just say uh, I, I am still learning and I haven't actually mastered any of that but <laughs> I'm really keen and I'm really good at carrying bags. I'm strong. Mm. I can unpack and pack a car. I know how to make coffee. I know how to run and get things. I, I'm happy to do anything. I, I will make myself useful and I'll happily be, you know, second or third mm. assistant. And I think the important thing, and I, I know that I'm repeating myself, but I think it's so important, is that you can be an assistant at any age. Because I've met several of your assistants, and they do, they're not just young kids. No. They're, they're, you know, they are more mature people who yep. have discovered that they have this passion later, and they, and they know that spending a day or a week or however long with you, you'll, they'll pick up heaps more than they ever will just trying to figure it all out themselves. So, and- um, and another thing, Valerie. Yes. Did you know that, like, some some assistants actually realise that it, you know after they've done all the courses that they actually love assisting, and, yeah. they, and you know you can become a professional ex- assistant and you can actually make a really good living. And you mm. and the really good ones are flown around the world. Mm. You know, at, at, because not everyone is cut out to run their own business. Yeah. And people realise that sort of a little way in that they go, hang on a minute, I'm really enjoying being an assistant. Mm. And that's a great thing. Yeah, and yeah. so that's worth considering. It's another way of, you know, still following your passion. You're still a photographer. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you're an assistant rather than you're working for someone. And then on the weekends, you could be still doing your own photography. Your own creative stuff, but you get yes. to be part of the more You get to be part shoots. of it and, yes, mm. so we're thinking. So back to Dave, back to my uh, older assistant. Yes. Uh, um, 
the way he actually uh, got finally got through to me is he put humour in his email. Right. You know, so he put a little. Jo- he gave me a tip on how what he how, what he added to his uh, washing detergent to make his dishes really clean. Okay, <laughs> and, and that was an extra thing that he could bring to the table. So he listed everything he could do, what he was competent in, right. and then that was the final one. And that that caught my attention. It made me laugh, yeah. and uh, I, I replied straight away. Mm-hmm. Good on him. Yes. <laughs> so let's say, okay, you've mentioned free resources, workshops, maybe uni or college if you have the time and money to invest, assistri- yep. assisting and, and interning. What else can people do to improve if, you know, they, maybe they've done their, 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 their courses or they're, they're allergic to courses? I know some people who just don't want to do <laughs> courses. So what else can people do to improve their photography? So you want to now really develop your own shooting style because that's what's going to set you apart from everyone else. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really important that you develop your own style. When Um, you mean style, do you mean a particular look or do you mean a particular type of thing to shoot? What do you mean by style? So it's your look that I could look at the photograph and say, that was taken by Valerie Koo. Mm. I know it. It's just like I can look at an Annie Leibovitz photo and mm. I know it was taken by Annie Leibovitz. Yeah, me and Annie, we're, we're, we're just uh, up there. I just put you in the same <laughs> sentence together, you know, Valerie. And I, and I, actually, I often get the two of you confused. Except <laughs> mine are all of my pets. I know. Okay, yeah, shooting style. So develop your own shooting style. And I think there's about six ways you could do that, you Mm -hmm. know, roughly. So the first way is maybe try and use different lenses. So if you're used Hmm. to shooting wide, try shooting long right? for a little while. Or if you're used to not shooting on tripod... Try just shooting on tripod and see how that changes how you do everything. Because what happens is if you shoot off tripod all the time, mm-hmm. then uh, it, you, you just take lots and lots of photos and maybe you're not thinking enough to set up the shot. Once you find that you're on a tripod, mm. it slows everything down. Yes. You've really got to line up the shot, make sure your horizontals are horizontal, your verticals are vertical, and think about that shot. And it, it just slows everything down and it'll actually change the entire way in which you shoot. So you're coming from a different way. So maybe if you've leaned towards one lens, try go through all the different lenses and you will find you keep going back to the same one because... You it, like it better. It just like it better. It's mm. like food, you know. You keep, yeah. like I do, I eat the same thing every day for two <laughs> weeks and then I go to the next thing. But you find that we all have different tastes. That's what makes us all so unique. So mm. so try different lenses and different styles of shooting. If you're always shooting, a, if you're shooting portraits, you're always shooting like up high, try getting right down low and just spend time shooting at different different angles. Ah. Experiment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so good point. next, all right. Uh, visit art galleries. Art galleries. Yes. Not photographic galleries, or no, does that include go, photographic galleries? Well, you can go and look at other photos, but I would visit, um, try and look at all sorts of art. Um, and if you can, if there's ever a retrospective of a well-known artist, go to that. That's an amazing way to see how uh, style is developed. It's like I right. remember. Yes. I remember. Go- I remember going to one uh, by Salvatore Dali, yeah. and it was like his work from when he was like fourteen till till the end of his life, right? Mm. And I could not get over what his stuff looked like when he was fourteen. It was like it just looked like really average. <laughs> it's, it's like it made me so happy. I'm like, wow, <laughs> he was a bit crap at the start. Yes. You know, and then you see, you see, you see how their style develops, and you see all the different sort of um, eras that they go through. You know, and then and then finally, he didn't develop his surrealism till much later in life. But you can sort of see it starting to come out, and he's experimenting. And and I think looking at retrospectives is a really good way to see how style develops, and you know how how to for you to go about it as well just by the experimenting but how but you you witnessed that with um uh, dali mm. and even if you go to a retrospective or an art gallery and you see you identify how a style has developed how then are you do you suggest you use that to develop your own style 
Well, just by knowing that you 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 are there and you you should be experimenting as well and trying to like you, you find mm. that when you see artists develop their styles, they will they will find a style and they will stick with that for a certain amount of time, mm. and then something else will inspire them and their work evolves in a different way but they're not you don't you don't ever see in the great artists you don't ever see them doing 50 different styles of photography like you look at their folio at, at their work and there's like you know something's really bright and poppy and then yeah. something's a bit more pastely or there, there are different definite styles and yeah. you see you see that in in great photographers as well like you, you know you just know their work yeah. and that's when you know you've developed your own style when someone Someone says, "Hey, I saw this shot. I knew it was yours because mm. it, it had this in it. You mm. know, there's, there's something that stands out. And I think more so, more now than ever before, you really need to be um, working out something that says you rather than um, copying someone else because mm. styles are changing so quickly now." Um, that that if you're just copying another photographer, there's already a, a lot of those out there. We need new people that see in a different way and mm. you're likely to get noticed if you're doing something different. Okay. So, so it's really important. So try different methods and yep. visit art galleries. What yep. else? Another great one is, uh, and I do this, uh, create vision boards. So whenever you mm. see anything that inspires you, and it could be like the wrapper off a chocolate bar, but something about the font or something, the colours inspire you for some way, keep it. Uh, photos that you see, uh, billboards, um, magazine articles, anything that inspires you, postcards, also just keep them. And I've got like four massive um, pin-up boards that I keep all of the things that inspire me. And why? So that I'm always seeing them. Why? Because somehow I'll get some inspiration from those at some point and, and, and take it. Has that so, occurred? Yes, it has, and uh, like the, like a couple of good examples is uh, like Da Vinci's Last Supper. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, you know the painting. Yes, I do. Um, so, do you know how many times I've ripped that off? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you mean? I paid homage to it. Yes. Uh, so, I love. I love that painting and the way it's set up, you know. Yes. So I've used it for um, many, many large portraits of, like, casts of, of TV shows. Mm. Uh, uh, I've done it for a, a, a restaurant where I had the head chef was, you know, playing the role of uh, Jesus and then, then I had the uh, all the other waiters and everyone positioned the same way. Mm. And people recognise it straight away and that's, mm. a, that's a great way to take inspiration from the, from the artist and it's like a little nod to the, to the past. Uh, yeah, and another another one that I remember watching. Do you know the movie Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, Tarantino. Yeah. Do you know the opening scene where they're all walking towards camera? Yes. How cool is that? Yeah, really I cool. remember it's seeing iconic. that, thinking that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Oh my god! I think I look, took me a day to mm. like the first cast shoot that I had to do. It's like we're going to do Reservoir Dogs, and they're like, what? <laughs> It's about dogs, to, and then I had to like find it and show them, and yeah, and I've done it for so many different um, groups, and it's not like necessarily the same, but I've taken that and now developed it. I call it my walking shot now. So you're responsible for all those cast shots that I see when people are walking that way. <laughs> no, but it's like, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's it's uh, okay. It's a that great way to shoot people who are a bit um, uptight. Mm, that's good. Okay, yeah. good. Create vision boards. Yeah. So, and and the other way to like, if you don't want to, uh, I think it's a great thing if you've got your own office space or even in your bedroom, something that you see every day to have those things that inspire you in front of you. But you can also do it virtually, and that's um, Pinterest is fantastic for that. Yeah. Sure. But God, that drain. Like, the, the, once you get on there, I know. I I know. I have it's, to avoid. It. I know it's so good, but uh, yeah, you kind of maybe just time yourself. You say, okay, I've been good. I'll give myself twenty minutes, and you can just start pinning and mm. uh, keep little boards of all your inspiration. And they're actually really good to show to clients as well. If you're trying to um, storyboard something, 
you can just show them uh, what one of your Pinterest boards it says. Okay, well, here, here's I'm sort of going with a vintage theme. Yeah. Here's my collection of vintage shop vintage shots that I've collected over the years and they're all in one spot like Pinterest is amazing actually yeah I mean you just give I don't know why I've never thought of this before but when I brief photographers I usually Uh gather all these photos and kind of put it in a PDF and all that why don't I just create a Pinterest board and share it with them (laughs) you can create a Pinterest board yeah yeah yeah. and you can have a like you can have ones that are uh, are visible to everyone but you can also have your own secret boards that you just want to keep that that for just your personal inspiration um, that you don't necessarily have to share, but that's like yes. just having your own um, wall version, but it's online, so you can access it anytime and fantastic for showing clients your ideas. All right, so what else? Uh, and the other one is join a photography group, and I'm not, I'm not <clears> talking <throat> about uh, a networking one. I'm talking the old school way what, where you have to what? actually leave the house and talk to people face-to-face. But what do they do at the photography group? What do you mean? So there's photography groups that you join and people talk about photography and they also have um, other artists that come and and, uh, and talk to them as well and uh, they, they share their photography and they get together and uh, monthly or, you know, every week even and, and discuss their style and support each other and it's a, it's, I think it's, I think it's uh, a really valuable way to Very learn. old school. A very old school and if you can't find one, start one. Mm. Yeah, and, or, or at the very least, make friends with other photographers because I can tell you now that some of the best skills I've ever developed are the ones I've learned from other photographers. Yeah. In those casual, um, you know, let's have a coffee kind of chats, mm. they'll tell you something. You go, oh my, and it's never a fight. It's never a half hour chat. When a group of photographers get together, settle in. It's hours and hours and hours <laughs> we're talking about, and it's so inspiring. And you go away like really energized and you can't wait to get out there and start doing some of the stuff because you find yourself as a photographer a little bit isolated some not so much now with social media but i remember when i was coming up a little bit isolated you know and so it was great to always uh, be able to share ideas and even support it's like oh, i had this client and this happened and then they'll say oh wow that happened to me just to get that feedback as well so let me recap. You've, to develop your own shooting style, you've, you've said try different methods yes. and different lenses, yep. visit art galleries, yep. create vision boards, yep. real and virtual, and I'm yep. totally going to do that Pinterest one now. Right, right. Join a photography group. But I Old think school. you said you had six ways. What, what else? Um, okay, so continually immerse yourself in art. And, and inspiration just always look for look for popular culture high art um so galleries movies movies are fantastic magazines books libraries just surround yourself even nature and do what can be that? inspiring just be inspired by it go and and look at the look at the work uh it, it, it's so easy now with uh smartphones to even take photos of things that inspire you. You might see an old sign that somehow you, if you're drawn towards it, it, there must be some reason. It, it'll inspire you. It's Sometimes it's just keep it for later, you know, mm. and, and it might be like clouds or um, doorways or whatever it is, but just find things that actually uh, keep you inspired. Okay. What else? What else? Uh Finally, uh, online, so social networking, so finding people that uh, support you in your dream. So this could be Facebook groups. There's lots of... Do you mean photography groups? Yes, photography. um, Flickr is another good um, photography group and Instagram is also another one. So this is where photographers get online and they share their work with each other and these communities are actually fantastic because I find that photographers are really encouraging of other photographers. And so when you're posting your work, you'll get uh, replies. You can also uh, join forums and uh, post your questions if you've ever got any um, concerns or you want to know how something was done. You can put it out to the forum and they'll share it with you. And it's also a really good way to see what else is going on and sometimes you might get inspiration from other photographers. Cool. Okay, great. So in terms of developing your own style, 
you, you can do all of these things, these six things, right? And yep. and presumably shoot a lot because that's an important You're shooting. Part. You shoot every day and, like, you'd be amazed at how far your work will develop if you do, like, an, you spend even half an hour a day. In six months, you won't be able to recognise your work. But with that, I know that with myself, uh, if I'm just shooting without a particular purpose, yep. I can feel all over the place. Right. So I, my question to you is then should I have or should, you know, anyone who's doing this experiment... Um, or trying to develop their own style, um, just shoot anything or should they attempt to have some kind of theme like this week I'm going to only shoot portraits or this month I'm only going to shoot, uh, uh, try and shoot landscapes or whatever it is, just to have some kind of structure there? That's a good idea and, and particularly if you're stri- trying, still trying to work out what it is that you like to photograph because I think when you're starting out, you, you're, you're not even sure. I mean, mm. I, I think I told you, I did start out shooting uh, some uh, products when I first started mm. and I had to do that to know that I never wanted to do it again. So, so um, try shooting all different manner of things and try and maybe have a structure to that. So you could have a blue theme where for the next two weeks you only photograph things that were blue yeah. or, or you could have a, a, a zoo theme where you go to the zoo and, and, and just photograph animals for a couple of weeks or portraits where it's uh, environmental portraits only and try and tell a story or you could try and shoot in a documentary style on the street or try shooting more set up portraits just until you really start to find your voice and you'll find that the more you shoot Mm. the more that will come in you know what i mean i've just thought of this in that instant but maybe (laughs) one of the things that we should do so you know i haven't brought this up with you prior to this second one of the things that we should do perhaps in the future for listeners is set up that structure and maybe have a kind of a uh okay this week this is the theme next week this is a theme that's a great idea for people who want to explore different ways of um of shooting and and develop their own shooting style but at least they're doing it with a whole bunch of other people Uh who were potentially discovering their own shooting style as well and then we can figure out some kind of hashtag so that everyone can see everyone else's shots Yep, love it. Love it, Valerie. That's great. There we go. That's my, my bright idea <laughs> for the day. <laughs> but um, on that note, that actually brings us to the end of our podcast this week. We hope you've enjoyed episode two of So You Want to Be a Photographer. Um, we would love to answer your questions. Well, actually, I'm going to make Gina answer them. Uh, <laughs> she's a much better photographer than I am. Uh, so if you have any questions, email us at news at com. Now, you can find Gina's website, ginamilitia.com. And who are you on Twitter, Gina? Uh, Gina Militia and also on Instagram, Gina Militia. I've kept it really easy. Oh, yeah, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) And it's M-I-L-I-C-I-A for Militia. That's correct, yes. And Gina with a G. Yes, Gina with a G. And you can tweet me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O. And uh, we would love to hear from you to yes. just hear what you think about the podcast, what you'd like to hear more of, what like what you'd like to hear less of. So just email us, news at com. So thank you so much for listening. We can't wait to bring you next week's podcast. We've got a whole heap of fantastic stuff planned for the weeks ahead. Uh, but, yeah, until then, thanks for listening and we'll chat to you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.